Maurice Washington. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Executive Talk. Those that are here live with us in our studio audience, thank you for being here, and also those that are watching us live. In today's show, we're going to talk about an epidemic that everybody is familiar with, that we, but we rarely talk about it, and that is, that is poverty. And specifically, we're going to talk about poverty and education. Now, a lot of us don't think about poverty and education. When we think about poverty, we have a different mindset when it comes to that. But when you think about poverty and education and how those two merge together, it's something that we actually need to pay attention to in this society. Now, to talk about it a little bit deeper, we have a gentleman, his name is Chris Hall, the CEO of Rocky Mountain Sur with us, to talk to us a little bit about, little, little bit about it further, to actually discuss what it is. This is, is kind of his day-to-day -day interaction. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming Chris Hall. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing good, and you? I'm doing well, thank you. That's doing good. well. Now, for those when they're first time meeting you, please just tell the studio audience and also those watching, just give us a, a brief introduction about you. Um, like Maurice said, my name is Christopher Hall. Um, I am the CEO for Rocky Mountain Sare, and we specialize in early childhood education throughout the state of Colorado. We serve over 1,400 kids on a daily basis from ages to three to five. We also have a youth program for after-school program to go from six all the way up to 18. And we also have a grassroots program that is called the Migrant Farmer, Migrant Seasonal Farm Worker Program. Okay. Those individuals help put those necessary fruits and vegetables on our table. So we also serve that population as well. We've been around since 1980, so we're going wow. on our 37th year. Um, I've been in existence in Colorado. Thank you. Gotcha. So, Chris, obviously for that many years and you being along, you know, being the CEO for as long as you have, you've seen a lot. Yes. Now, before we go into this topic, I want you guys to close your eyes for a minute. Nothing weird will happen to you. Even at home, please close your eyes for a minute. I want you to think about this. When, you, when I say the word poverty, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Okay, now open your, open your eyes, please. Even you at home, open your eyes. <laughs> so when you think about the word poverty, one of those things that when I did the exercise myself, the first thing that popped into my mind was maybe that guy or gal that's on the side of the road. I think about that's the first thing that comes to poverty. Now, what about you, Chris? When you think about poverty and what you've seen, what do you think, of, what do you think about? Um, I wouldn't say the word poor. I would say um, insufficient, the lack of. Okay. Um, not, not more so that a person is, is just desperately poor, just doesn't have anything. Some people does have something. They do have a job, but they still living in poverty. They're just not making enough. And especially the way our economy is today, everything costs so much. Your, your average wage is not um, adding up to inflation. You know, you're in poverty. You can have a good career. A secretary could be living in poverty, or a custodian could be living in poverty, a bus driver could be living in poverty. There's so many individuals and so many careers that are just not paying up to a high amount that, could per, that can force a person into poverty. Gotcha. And, you know, Chris, please help me if, uh, if, I, if whatever I say is wrong. Okay. But consider this. Consider uh, two parents, two household parents, and let's say one of the, or both of those parents, some, something happens to both of them, a fatal car accident. Not to go morbid on you, but just think about the scenario. If that child is to go to their grandparents and that, those grandparents are living on Social Security, and then they now have this child, almost instantly these grandparents went into poverty. Correct. Okay, so that's one scenario. Another scenario could be um, two parents, two household family. You got 
you got this lifestyle that's based off two, two incomes. So you have your cars, your house, and everything else that's going on, and one person loses a job. Could that be considered as poverty as well? That, were, that, can, that may trigger them into poverty. The United States has a poverty guidelines, and it's based on how many individuals is in the household itself. Okay. And then it's also based on how much money that household is bringing in. So, quite frankly, a person could be two families, um, two individuals could be working. They each making twenty thousand a year, which would be forty thousand for combined income with a household of four individuals. One of that twenty thousand go away, so it's now. 20000 a year with four individuals in their household, now they're in the poverty. Gotcha. So speaking about that, let's talk about those important statistics for a minute. Because this is something, Chris, take us through this graph and what we're, what we're seeing here and how this relates to what you do. This is the federal um, guidelines for poverty rates. And so in order to get it to Head Start, you have to be what is called income eligible. So you have to fall within some of these guidelines. So let's say, for an example, um, a person of a two-family household, that could be a, a father and a child or okay. a mother and a child. That's two-person okay. household. That's two person. Okay. okay. The, the max that that person can make is 16240 Anything mm. above that is not poverty according to the standard. Everything below that is considered poverty. So that individual can be making 16340 they won't qualify for our program mm. as mm. income eligible because they have they are now over the poverty guidelines. Gotcha. That's that's tight. That's like really tight. Um, so, okay. So if they're that one that parent that father was making uh, twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. Well, the twenty thousand is a guideline, but it's at three people. At three, three individuals. So then they they disqualify. That's correct. That's tough. Okay, so then let's take, let's take this scenario so everybody can uh, take it a little bit deeper. The average rent in Denver, as people know, has increased pretty dramatically in the last couple of years. So um, the average rent in Metro Denver, and I got this off of Zumper.com. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about this. We have the Highlands Lodo Jefferson Park. Take us to this scenario, Chris. So the average rent for a one-bedroom apartment is 1559 in the Highlands. So can you go back to the previous slide real quick? Let's say that you have an individual that makes 16240 and it's two-person household, okay? That technically equates to about 1500 a month, right? Right. 1500 a month. Let's go to the next slide for rent. How can that individual actually afford that rent of $1,559? They can't. No. Let's go to the next level. Let's say the individual happens to be still a two-person household, but they're actually only making $20,000, um, let's say $24,000 a year. Okay. That's 2000 a month gross before taxes right, that right, that individual right. is now making. That's so right. let, let's just I'll take out the tax piece. $2,000 subtracted from that $1,559, they only got, what, $400? $41 to spend, to live off of? Right. After that, we didn't even count in the taxes. We didn't count the utilities, we didn't count food, we didn't count the gas, or any other living expenses. So what we're showing is that the all just off the rental market alone, it does not equate to the true poverty level or the poverty guidelines that the federal has set the standards for. Those levels do need to increase greatly so people can get those necessary services that is needed. Gotcha. 
So with these um, with these guidelines, so was this just recently done in 2017? Or are they always revised year after year? They, they are revised year after year. Okay. You know, one unique is that Colorado does have a booming economy. Right. It's not necessarily like that throughout the whole United States. I think that it needs to be adjusted according to where you live. Because I can imagine that how Colorado economy is, what is it like to be in L.A. or even New York? Because their economy is so much greater than what Colorado is. That's very true. That's very true. And so that income scenario, I like what you had mentioned there because that income at 1600 or in that rent, mm -hmm. it immediately, it takes you down to $120 a month. Now, I think for a lot of people, we're seeing affordable housing becomes a huge conversation now. Correct. We're starting to see people, you know, uh, trying to find a roommate to try to offset and try to make that extra income. And you know, that poverty level, and for business owners, let's think about it. Have you guys ever had those month, months where it was a little tight all of a sudden? You had a couple months that no sales came through and it's kind of scratching your head? You kind of had an insight of what poverty feels like and what these parents are going through. So now let's talk about the emotional part of it because I think that's another, so now that we see the financial part of it, the emotional part of it is where the trickle-down effect really starts to happen. So the definition of poverty is the state of being inferior or insufficient in amount. Some synonyms that go along with poverty are scarcity, deficiency, shortage, and insufficiency. So talk to us about this, Chris, from a school point standpoint as to what some of your parents are going through. They, they feel like, they feel inadequate, I would say that they cannot provide for their child or even for their family per se, and that they really need help. Um, so let's stick with the educational piece. Okay. They really want their child to get a, a head start in their education. So that's why they want to come over to our, our program. And then when we say, you, you make too much, you, you, you're not income eligible getting our program, they come back feeling rejected. What am I supposed to do? I cannot provide a edu good education for my child. How am I going to be able to do this? I don't want to just send them to child care. I want my child to get a true education because I believe in what Head Start does. So they, they, they feel pretty bad. Um, then also that turns into other household emotional things. Of um, we, we do serve a lot of parents that are on drugs or alcohol, um, emotionally unstable. Uh, we deal with individuals that are going through um, domestic violence, child abuse. We see all kinds of, of things that happens in a household. We're not there to turn a person in. We come there to help them out. If you are addicted to something or if you are in some type of abuse, we're there to try to help you, mm -hmm. to get you off of the addiction, to help you get to get you through the abuse that you may be going through. So like I said, we're not there to turn social services in or we're not there to call 911 or you. We're there to actually help you in this situation and, and take you on through. Sure. And you know, I think uh, there's a lot to be said about that, Chris, because earlier in the conversation, we talked about the epidemic of it all. So that means it doesn't matter if you're in Denver, doesn't matter if you're in Aurora, doesn't matter what side of town, you can be in a specific area and that child could be in that school going through that. Correct. So going through poverty and going through a shortage of income can be something that it, it doesn't matter who you're, what area of town you live in, 
just the, just the matter of the area of town can price you out just that quick and have you feeling that. So now part of having these feelings start to happen. So if you're down to this one income, consider that parent is probably looking for another job, I'm assuming, right? That is correct. So what that means is that that parent is probably out of the house a, a long time throughout the mm -hmm. day, not spending time with the child. How does that seem to affect the child? In that? They are job seeking or what we call job hunting. Okay? Yeah. During that time, that's why it's very critical for our program to be running the way it's supposed to be. We go from 8, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Then after 2 p.m., we, what we call is a after-school program is Kathy Scholars Academy that goes from 2 to 6. So we give that parent that all-day scenario for them to go out and look for a job or even to go to school. Someone may need to take some, some more courses or, or finish up their degrees or, or even go get their GED or, or even go to some trade school, junior college. We, there, we have your child in a nice, safe, nurturing environment where they're going to get fed three meals a day. And they're going to get the education. So that at least takes the mind and worry off the parent and allow that parent to go out and job seek or even go, go to school as well. Sure. And I like what you said because, Chris, if these kids are, if the parents are having this challenge and their income is strapped like that, then sometimes they may not get a meal at oh, home. Right. So what happens at the school? Because, you know, because one thing I loved in talking to you is um, you said kids don't know that they're in poverty. But they do know that they're going through some kind of emotional state, state right. of being at this time. They can feel the stress in the household, yeah. but they don't know what poverty is. That's right. A kid is still going to come to school happy and joyous, and I want to see my, my buddy here. I can't wait to get to school so I can see my new friend or, or different things of that nature. They're not feeling, they don't know what that means of poverty, but they can feel the stress that is in the household. Mm -hmm. If two parents is up there fighting all the time, they feel that stress. They internalize that. So sometimes when they internalize that, um, they take that on to the school, and we try to help break that out of them. Because sometimes, you know, we all go through a lot of stress, and sometimes we, we may snap at one another because we just went through all that stress. A child may, may say something to mom or dad, and immediately they just snap at them. So what is a child going to do? The guards go around. They're going to they're gonna hold it all in. Yeah. So they're going to be pretty shy and bashful to even come out and express themselves. When that child comes to school and they're in that way, we're going to try to help break those um, behaviors to let them to express themselves. This is a safe environment for you to express yourself. Don't be afraid. Tell us what you're feeling. How do you feel today? Did you have a rough day at home? Yes or no? And did we just carry on that conversation? Do you want to express it in writing or drawing or some kind mm -hmm. of art? We're there to do that for that child, to help them relieve that stress. We don't want them to internalize it. We want them to get it off their chest as well. Now, do you notice, because it seems like you guys have an opportunity to have a special touch on these kids that most schools don't. Correct. Because what I understand is a lot of schools don't even have the time to actually build a, and no disrespect to any schools out there, I'm not getting to that point. I'm just saying a lot of schools don't have the time to actually look into those situations. Is that, would that be that is, that is correct. That is the beauty about Head Start. That's what makes us so unique. We, we do more than just a child of, of their um, English, math, reading, and writing. We also look at the whole person itself. Yeah. We, we have to do two mandatory home visits, and we have mm -hmm. to check on the welfare of the child because their home environment dictates how they are in school. So even though we may go do a welfare check on a child to see how their learning environment is at home, 
is not to call up social services on them, no. It's to actually help the parent. If we see something is going wrong or just not right, hey, do you need some help? What do you need help on? If we notice that the, your lights are turned off for electricity, do you need help in paying the bill? We, we could be the resource to help you in getting that paid. Because some parents, you know, some people are pretty, could feel pretty bad and feel, and feel kind of proud at, or even embarrassed or ashamed that their utility's been shut off, so they may not go out to seek the appropriate help. Yeah. But we're there to just say, hey, we can help you. Let us be that resource for you to give you the necessary help that is needed. Because all in all, we're caring about this child. We want to make sure that this child succeed in school. Gotcha. So with the IEP program IEP, that you got, uh -huh. does that help identify some of those areas? Can you be able to say, based on the IEP program, does it help you identify saying this kid might have some challenges from financially? Does that help identify those, or what can you tell based on the IEP program? So the IEP is an individualized education plan that is tailored specifically to the kid. When we produce it at the Head Start level, we're going to do it in relationship with the parent and also us. So we're going to talk to the parent, see what's going on, and how this child behaves. It's also behavior as well. Mm. It's not just strictly, can, does that child know the one, two, threes, and ABCs? So it's how does this child act? How does this child act at home? Do you see anything different? Because technically a parent is with that child more so than us as the educators. That's right. So how does this child interact with, with the other kids that you see at home, their siblings? How do they interact with the parents or their cousins or different things of that nature? So we, as we start developing their learning behavior, then that's when, how we are able to, um, to put together the IEP plan. Gotcha. So then I want to take you guys to this scripture right here, Isaiah 25, 4. If you guys are familiar with it, if not, it's okay. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm and the shade from the heat. How does that impact, how does that one scripture impact what you guys are doing at Rocky Mountains here? That is our mission. That's who we are. That's what we believe in. That's what we do. That's core to our heart and our belief. We, we want to be the refuge for the poor. If you're struggling, if you need any kind of help, we want you to come to us. We want to be able to be that, 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 that um, hedge of protection around you to help you out. Because sometimes that's all you really need before you go off and do something bad that be detrimental to, to your life and to your family's life. Come to us first. Let us help you and and. and, and fulfilling some of those needs. Also for the needy, if you need help for your rent, if you need help for food, we will help put you in the necessary places to go get food stamps. Or maybe you need to be on Section 8. Or we'll work with you on trying to find the, the, um, the low-income housing mm -hmm. or something of that sort. That is our job to provide necessary resources to our families. Gotcha. <clears throat> I want to take you guys back to this definition here. I want to go ahead and uh, drive home a point here. The state of being inferior or insufficient in amounts, scarcity, deficiency, shortage, insufficiency. As you guys know, in John 10, 10, the enemy only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So now with those particular words, Chris, when I, when I give you that scripture of John 10, 10, what does that, how does the enemy, how do you feel like the enemy plays on those words on a, on a person's lifestyle? You know, the one thing that the enemy can do is, is mess with your brain mess with your mind. 
we don't want him to go from here down to our hearts, right? That's right. So he started planting those seeds in your minds that you're, you're not worth it. You're, 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 you're not good enough. You ain't going to make it. No matter what you do, it's not going to be good enough. He planted those seeds of doubt, seeds of discord. He wants you to stay in that same circle or, or in that same state of mind. But we want to say, you can do it. That's right. You, all you just need is someone behind you pushing you and say, you can do it. We got your back. We ain't going to let you fall. We're here pushing you up. We help, we're here help pulling you up. We're not going to allow that. That's the organization that we are, to try to work with the parent and family and say, hey, don't give up. We had a, we had a situation that happened at one of our locations down in Alamosa. Mm. And, and it really just touched my heart. A parent dropped their son off at that location and relinquished all her rights. Mm. I just wanted to cry when I heard what was happening right then and there. I wanted to immediately drive down to Alamosa and adopt that kid to let that kid know, don't worry about it. Your mom is going through some rough times right now. I know it feels like she don't love you but we love you. That was very touching and very emotional time for that child. When that, 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 that individual relinquished her rights to that child, we had to call social services. We had yeah. to call 911. That means that child went into the system. We didn't really want that child to go in the system. We wanted to still work with that child. Her parents, her mom, her, yeah, and her parents was on drugs. Mm. So those are kind of things that we want to try to help avoid. Because yeah. we know that that child is going through something. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very, I don't know, it's very impactful when you think about that scripture and you think about some of these words and some of the decisions that poverty puts you in. Because your decision-making ability starts to go very limited. Because mm -hmm. all you have is your resource and your next day and the next moment. And so those things make, that's what the enemy depends on. He depends on that particular rea reality, so these other extra decisions happens to the kids. These, these decisions happen to you and happen to the kids all at the same time. He's looking for that type of relationship and that type of inroad. And so when we're talking about this scripture, you know, it was when we, when we had located the scripture and agreed on it, we, you know, it actually, when, I was in, when I'm in the environment at Rocky Mountain, Sarah, Sarah um, I actually truly believe this is what happens in here. There is a true family organization that happens internally. And so because it's a family organization internally, externally, the parents and the kids are still feeling that same impact. That's correct. And that's one thing I love about the scripture. And that's why I wanted to present it to Chris here and have him talk about it because that's what Rocky Mountain Sarah is all about. It's the scripture right here. If there's an opportunity to actually help somebody, there's, there's a... There's an organization that still provides deep education to help these kids move through. It's one thing for you to feel inadequate at home, but then if you have a place at school that you can have fun with your kids, mm -hmm. you can turn to, you can feel good for a certain amount of time for eight hours. That changes your course. And maybe it's three months that parent had, and then all of a sudden they get that breakthrough job. Then all of a sudden life is good again. They were able to bridge that emotional gap. And that's one thing about early childhood education, what Rocky Mountain Sarah does, that I really appreciate and really, really enjoy. So, um, go ahead. I was going to say, one thing we also do is, 
we just don't do it for our clients. We also do it for our staff. We just have um, an individual that came up to us just about last month. She was going through some domestic violence and she was living out of her car. And the world came up to me and I met with this individual. I said, you are one of us. I can't take care of our clients if I don't take care of you. We're gonna put you up in a hotel. At the same time, I want you to start looking for another place to stay. We're gonna take care of you. We're gonna take care of the deposit and the first month's rent. Because we wanna take that worries off of you. So what we do outside, it's the same thing what we're gonna do internal as well. Mm. Because individuals, we don't make a whole lot of money. We're a nonprofit. That's why we always knocking on doors, writing grants and asking for money. We don't get paid the big multi-million dollars for like a big corporation. We're grassroots. So I know that a lot of our staff people are struggling in as well, living from check to check. When something like this happens, we got to be there also for our, our internal family members as well. So Chris, what would you like to leave the studio audience with? What do you want them to, to know going forward? That the federal guidelines of poverty is, is much deeper than that. You can have an individual that's actually making thirty or $40,000 a year, may not be on that poverty guideline, but they're struggling every day. They're one paycheck away mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. technically falling into that stats. That's right. And that today's life is, is very hard, is very stressful. And that we as an organization, we're there to try to give that person that helping hand. We don't want to push them down. We don't want to look down on them. We want to hold that hand and help pull them up to let them know that we believe in them and we love them. That's right. And you know, my final thought is for business owners, for all those that are watching today, this is an opportunity for you to get involved. You know, there's, there's a lot of heartfelt things to get involved with, but you guys heard the story here. There's board opportunities here. To, to, to have insight on what your skill set is. Maybe your skill set will fit this board to actually help them propel and move this school and help these families. Um, there's, there's always financial support, of course. This is a nonprofit organization. But think about the heart and soul of what, these, what, these, what, these, uh, what the school is doing. It's reaching out to our future generation. You know, one thing that they say is our kids are our future. That's very true. We have, we have to depend on these kids. So whatever this organization is doing internally helps out our future. As you guys know, there's, there's certain things that happens to kids early age. And as you know, if they're not paid attention to, it gets deeper and deeper and it gets ingrained inside these children. And the opportunity to actually nip it in the bud and to help these kids out, help these families out, to keep on propelling forward is what this is about. It's a forward movement. So that's how you should look at Rocky Mountain Sur as a forward movement. Yes, they deal with some interesting stuff when it comes to poverty and some things that we don't, we kind of take for granted on a day-to-day -day basis. But there's a forward movement happening with this organization that is touching on families that don't have as much as a lot of people do. So I really want you guys to take a deeper look into Rocky Mountain Sarah and follow this conversation. Share with your friends, share with your families, and help deepen the, 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 um, the visibility when it comes to Rocky Mountain Sarah. I would like to give you guys an opportunity to continue to follow us. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, and all our social media. 
but actually Chris and I, in the meantime, we actually have to get back to work. So you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Chris. Thanks.